Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. What's scarier than nightmares, darkness, and demons? Love. It can feel like the greatest emotion in the world, but when it becomes all-consuming or unrequited, love is the thing that will eat you alive. When someone is in love, it can make them go crazy, or even worse, drive them to do deadly things. And there is nothing more dangerous than a cursed heart. First, a love to die for, followed by someone is lurking. Finally, in our last story, is it a true story or a murderous affair? Before we get to our stories, I wanted to thank everyone who has joined us on Patreon. You can now join for free, or if you want to level up and get more perks, you can become a paid member. It's one of the easiest ways to support the show and everything we do. And if you know someone you think would love something scary as much as you do, why not send them this episode as a Valentine's Day treat? Don't forget to rate and review this podcast if it gives you the chills. You can pause right here and do it now, or you can do it after you've listened to the episode. Thank you so much. We are incredibly grateful for the support of all of our listeners. So, want to hear something scary? Love Possessed. Love can make us do desperate and even dangerous things. Like in this story written by Tracy Cross, one of our incredible featured horror writers joining us for Black History Month. The smallest things can have the biggest consequences. A butterfly wing, a single grain of rice, or even the fragments of hair left behind after a haircut. Something so small, seemingly inconsequential, takes root and changes everything. An example, the summers in my town were hotter and hotter every year. I read somewhere that after the earthquakes in Chile, 
Years ago, the temperature of the Earth rose by one or two degrees, increasing the rotation and the heat of the planet. Two tiny degrees, and the planet felt like hell. Holding this wooden broom handle in my hand and sweeping the hair on the floor into small tornadoes for me to throw away didn't help much with the heat. Sweat poured from every part of my body and seemed like it would never stop until the bell over the door dinged one last time when she walked in with her mother. She didn't walk, but whirled in and across the room to the chair in front of my mother and asked for a cute but functional pixie cut. I didn't need to get my hair cut for back to school because my mom owned and ran the best and only shop in town. Besides, I kept my fade so low and close to my head that I could shave it with a razor if I wanted to. I'd been imagining that less hair meant I would sweat less. Less sweat meant helping with the clients instead of sweeping and cleaning up after them all day. And with school starting next week, it meant more money in my pocket, swooshing the broom back and forth, but not over my feet, bad luck. I pretended not to listen when she, the girl of my dreams, told my mother about how her family went to Mexico for the summer break. I watched how when she sat in the chair, her golden brown knees clamped together, so dainty. Mom whistled for me to come give her a hand. I did a little dance and put the broom in the corner of the door and walked over. She said, Holden, I need for you to get Miss Scarlet shampooed and blow-dried. I've got to get started on the touch-up for her mother. I hope you pre-mixed everything earlier, like I asked. Mom smiled at me, her brown copper skin glowing as she winked at me. She knew I had a thing for Scarlet ever since we were young which, in teenage years, felt like forever. I tucked my white t-shirt in while I walked her over to the shampoo bowl. After I spent forever checking the water temperature, I motioned for her to sit in the chair and did my best job shampooing her hair, rubbing the scalp, a bit before really digging in with my fingernails while she melted into the chair. Scarlet moaned as I massaged her scalp. When she grabbed my wrist unexpectedly, a rush of heat flooded my cheeks. I asked her if she was cheerleading again this year. We've already started practice, but this is gonna be my last, I think. She slipped a piece of gum into her mouth and all I smelled was the sweet cinnamon on her breath as I grabbed the hose and rinsed. When I asked her how come, she told me volunteering looks good on college applications. Then she asked me if I was headed to university next year. I gulped and grabbed the hairdryer, almost dropping it. She really asked me about me. My heart was pounding. I set the dryer on a stand and grabbed the lotion for her hair that smelled like roses. I rubbed it in and told her I was thinking more about barber school and eventually taking over the shop for my mom. Oh, her pouty lips made a perfect circle as I combed and blow dried her hair. When I finished, mom came over and cut her hair. I told her that the cut flattered her face and looked good on her. She slipped a five in my pocket as I swept her hair off the floor. See you in school. She smiled and waved when she left. I squat and picked up the hair, wishing she'd got her nails done as well. This will have to do. I sat in the football stands with some friends of mine, watching the opening game next week. Scarlett looked good in her cheerleading uniform, 
extra short crimson colored skirt and her short sleeve shirt with a huge B on the front. It was almost halftime and the team needed motivation. We were losing as always. I don't think we've ever even qualified for a quarterfinal championship placement. Scarlet flipped and the guys tossed her into the air. Once, twice, she kicked her legs out and raised her fist. I don't remember seeing what happened next because the guy next to me told me I dropped my keys. When I picked them up, the crowd gasped loud. What happened? I asked. They missed, she's banged up bad. The guy pointed at the field. Scarlet lay on the ground, on her back, reaching for her leg that was twisted at such an awkward angle that even I felt it. We found out later that something distracted one guy and that's how she ended up on the ground. Now she was gonna be in a cast for six weeks or the rest of the football season. Scarlet came back to the shop a few times to have her pixie cut trimmed after she broke her leg. It was the only thing that kept her happy, she said as I wrapped the cape around her and helped her over to the wash bowl. I told her I didn't see much of her in school anymore, as I gave her scalp an extra special massage to make her feel better. It's weird, right? She said. I broke my leg and I can't drive my car. I've been having these terrible headaches. I suggested maybe it was the meds for her leg. She continued. And my eyes are hurting, like really hurting. I can't do much of the assignments and all of my subjects. I'm failing English. I looked down at her eyes, filling with tears. Wow, Scarlett, that's hard, I said. She grabbed my wrist with both hands. I know, right? I don't mean to complain, but I just feel so, so alone. I asked if there was anything I could do to help. She sighed and closed her eyes. The tears ran down the sides of her face. I don't know what's going on, she said. Maybe this haircut is bad luck. It all started when I... My mom interrupted, came over and finished washing Scarlett's hair. I grabbed the broom and swept up all the hair around mom's chair. I don't think Scarlett saw me pick up the hair, but you never know. I have a secret place in the woods behind the shop a little cabin where mom and I practice hoodoo spells and conjuring she learned from her mother. In my pocket were the clippings from Scarlett's hair I'd gathered this month. I dumped the envelope out on the table in the dimly lit room and started working on another spell. Mom said if I keep working on it, Scarlett will come to me. She'll come to me for comfort and cry on my shoulder. She will want me just as much as I want her. While I worked, I heard a knock at the door I stopped mixing the hair with the dust and opened the door. Your mom said I could find you here. Scarlet shuffled in on her crutches. Mom slipped in behind her and locked the door. Scarlet looked around and saw all the pictures of her hanging and the little doll that looked like her on my keychain by the door. She started to scream, but mom silenced her. Scream all you want. This place is soundproofed. Have you ever been so obsessed with a crush you would do anything to try and get them to reciprocate your feelings? But would you try getting help from the supernatural? Let us know how far you've gone for love.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Sometimes our eyes betray us and we must trust our hearts if we want to survive. Like in this story inspired by Rhea. It was Valentine's Day as Rhea stood in the mirror applying the finishing touches to her makeup. Her phone buzzed. It was a call from Teus. Her boyfriend's voice was usually warm and comforting, but this time it carried a hint of reluctance. He told her he had to cancel their date, unfortunately, because he had to work all night. Disappointment clouded Rhea's reflection in the mirror, but she understood the demands of his job. He was the newest attorney hired at the law firm, so he had to take all the late-night grunt work. Okay, I guess, she replied before he hung up. Rhea slipped off her cute blue dress and changed into casual attire. She called her girlfriend to go grab some margaritas. It was better than staying home alone. The night flew by, and as the clock struck 10 p.m., she was on her way home. To her surprise, Taya stood waiting in the parking lot of her apartment. The sadness dissipated as he hugged her and told her he missed her. They decided to salvage Valentine's Day by eating ice cream and drinking champagne on the living room floor before going to bed. Rhea's usual peaceful dreams eluded her. A faint sound from the kitchen woke her. It was 4 a.m. As she crept through the dark apartment towards the source of the noise, peering into the kitchen, she saw it was Teus, or what seemed like him. He was eating something she couldn't quite see. Too tired to chat, she sleepily returned to her room and climbed into bed. When she rolled over, she was stunned to find Teus sleeping soundly beside her. She leapt out of bed and ran back to the kitchen. Nothing. 
the figure she had seen was gone, but it was stuck in her head and she couldn't shake it off. Unable to contain her anxiety, Rhea woke Teus, questioning him about the bizarre encounter. Dismissing it as her imagination, Teus went back to sleep, leaving Rhea alone and trying not to freak out. At some point early that morning, Rhea finally fell back asleep. When she woke, it was late and Teus was already up. Rhea discovered a cryptic letter on their bed next to her. It read, You thought it was me, fool. She swept the house for Teus, but he was nowhere to be found. Texts and calls went unanswered. When Teus finally picked up the phone, his bewildered response shattered her. He hadn't come over to her place the previous night. Like he told her, he had been working late. A sinking feeling overwhelmed Rhea as she sent him pictures of their ice cream date in the living room. Teus was shocked. It confirmed her fears. Something supernatural was at play. Urging her to meet him in a nearby park, Teus cryptically instructed her to only speak if he wore his black baseball cap with the word happy on it. At the park, Rhea spotted a figure resembling Teus, but the blue hat adorned his head instead of the specified black one. Trusting her instincts, she refrained from engaging with him. The imposter persisted in talking to her, attempting to deceive her with familiarity. But then, in the confusion, she saw the real Teus approaching, wearing the promised black hat with the word happy embroidered on it. They made a hurried retreat to Teus's house and Rhea demanded answers. Teus didn't seem as shaken up as she felt he should have been. Teus confessed a secret he had kept hidden for far too long. He revealed the existence of a twin brother, Rishi, who had passed away under mysterious circumstances. Rishi's spirit lingered in the mortal world. Since they never found a body, he was never put to rest. It seemed as though Rishi was always trying to overtake Teus's body and resume a semblance of life. The religious rituals performed to ward off Rishi's spirit had seemingly failed, and now he had set his sights on Rhea. The imposter she had encountered was not Teus's, but the vengeful spirit of his deceased twin. The revelation sent shivers down Rhea's spine as the boundary between the living and the dead blurred. As the day unfolded, Rhea grappled with the reality that her life was now intertwined with all this drama and mess. Teus, burdened with the guilt of harboring this dark secret, struggled to protect Rhea from his dead twin. Days turned into nights and the couple turned to each other, hoping it would shield them, hoping their love would be enough to fight the forces that threatened to tear them apart. Yet with each passing moment, Rhea felt more paranoid. In the dead of night, when the world slept, Rhea would hear footsteps and catch fleeting glimpses of the shadowy figure in her periphery. The spirit of Rishi seemed determined. Haunted by the looming threat, Rhea and Teus decided to uncover the truth behind Rishi's death, hoping they could put him to rest. As Rhea dug into the mysteries of Rishi's death, she uncovered hidden family secrets. The ghostly spirit not only wanted to take over Teus's body, but also reveal the secrets that connected the brothers in life and death. The big showdown happened in the apartment where Rhea and Teus used to feel safe. Now in a dimly lit room filled with echoes of the past, Teus faced his twin's ghost. The air felt strange as the brothers stared at each other, 
one in the real world and the other haunted by old grudges. In a dramatic battle that went beyond what could be seen, Teus and Rishi struggled with their shared past. Rhea caught in the middle of forces she couldn't control, held onto the hope that love would win against the darkness threatening to swallow them all. Finally, the barrier between the living and the dead vanished, and Rishi's ghost disappeared. The apartment, once a battleground for supernatural forces, became quiet. Rhea and Teus emerged from the events stronger. But every once in a while, Teus would look at Rhea a certain way. It would send chills down her spine. There was something in his eyes that made her unsure. Unsure that it was Teos who actually survived. Have you ever felt like you've seen double or had deja vu? Do you think it was just your eyes playing tricks on you? Or did you see a ghost? If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. People say star-crossed lovers as if it's a good thing, but really you might just be trapped in a cycle of hell that you cannot ever escape, based on true crime events. Elsie Whipple lived in the grandeur of the Van Rensselaer, resident at Cherry Hill in Albany, New York. The year was 1827, and Elsie, an affluent woman from a notable family, found herself entangled in a web of forbidden love that would change the course of her boring, privileged life. And it all began when Jesse Strang moved to town. When Jesse and Elsie first met, there was an immediate chemistry between them, but it wasn't until they got to know each other better that Jesse felt close enough to Elsie to share the truth. His name was really Joseph Orton and had abandoned his wife and child and fled to Albany for the chance at a new life. That information should have horrified Elsie, but when he suggested that fate made him leave his family so he could be with her, it made her knees weak. He said they were star-crossed lovers, destined to be together forever, through space and time. There was, however, one problem, Elsie's husband. She was married to John Whipple, an established man about town. It would not be so easy for Elsie to disappear like Jesse had done. The love between Jesse and Elsie was forced into the darkest, hidden corners of Cherry Hill, away from the watchful eyes of society. Caught up in the throes of an illicit affair, they believed that their passion could only flourish without the presence of Elsie's husband. But the desire to rid themselves of this obstacle took a wicked turn. Their initial attempt was a plot involving arsenic poisoning, but it failed to kill John Whipple, merely causing him to be temporarily ill. Undeterred, Jesse String turned to a more direct and brutal method. One night, the silence of Cherry Hill was shattered by the echoes of a gunshot, and then John Whipple was dead. Desperation and fear gripped the lovers as they scrambled to conceal their evil plot. 
However, the threads of their lies began to unravel as investigators closed in on the truth. Elsie was mortified when they were both arrested for John's murder. A wild trial ensued. In June, Jesse Strang made a shocking confession, revealing the details of the murder, pointing his finger at Elsie and disclosing the location of the murder weapon. Elsie couldn't understand why he would do that, but he then revealed his love to her and told her that he believed that by implicating her, her influential family connections would secure them both a pardon. Yet, as the weight of his words bore down on him, Strang withdrew his confession upon learning that no testimony against Elsie would lessen his punishment. The courtroom filled with witnesses every day to testify against Jesse. Household members testified as to his intent on killing John Whipple. Merchants and hotel keepers provided damning evidence of Jesse and Elsie's suspicious interactions. The trial reached its climax with Strang's confession, reluctantly admitted over the defense's objection, sealing his fate. He told Elsie at least if they both got the death penalty, they could be together in the afterlife. The jury deliberated for a mere 15 minutes before pronouncing Jesse guilty of first-degree murder. Elsie, however, faced a different fate. The Albany establishment, keen on preserving its own, closed ranks to shield Elsie from the public hanging that awaited her lover. Elsie's trial mirrored Strang's, but with a twist. The prosecution sought to call Strang as a witness, sparking debates over his eligibility due to his conviction. In a decisive ruling, the judge bared his testimony. The prosecution rested and, to the surprise of many the jury, without even leaving their seats, acquitted Elsie. The verdict reverberated through Cherry Hill, leaving a lingering sense of mistrust and failure to get justice for John Whipple. However, the aftermath of this sordid affair reached beyond the courtroom. The spirits of those involved seemed to linger in the halls of Cherry Hill, haunting the grand residence. Witnesses spoke of a ghost on the bottom floor, believed to be the restless soul of John Whipple. His apparition, while not overtly hostile, exuded an unmistakable aura of anger for the injustice that had befallen him. Jesse Strang's ghost, on the other hand, found its refuge where the gallows once stood. His ghost always clad in the same clothes he wore on the day of his execution. The figure served as a chilling reminder of the price paid for forbidden love and murderous deeds. Elsie's apparition floats between the two men, the two who she betrayed. Jesse had been right. They were destined to be together through space and time and a miserable eternity it would be. If you go to Cherry Hill today, the spirits of Jesse Strang, Elsie Whipple, and the vengeful presence of John Whipple continue to roam, forever bound to each other, even in death. Would you sacrifice yourself for the one you love? Or is the quality of your life and family just too important? This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, narration by Blair Bathory, audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris, additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman, produced by Anna Villalobos, executive produced by Gail Gilman, music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at 
youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Happy Valentine's Day, spooky friends. Sweet screams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.